We had a lot of interesting characters in Guernsey when I was training up at Camp Guernsey at the 90th Ground Combat Training Squadron. And in our training section, my good friend Ben, and I know he's listening. I told him I was going to tell him some, some you know, ben tell stories. everybody some Ben stories. Ben stories. And we've had some hilarious moments. And I, and I asked him if I can share them with everybody, and he agreed. Only if I introduce it as movie guy voice. Movie. Okay, so you better go into <clears throat> movie guy. Mother Nature is on a warpath, and she has chosen her prey. Only one man can stand up to her, and the gloves are off. Armed with his wits, cheetah-like reflexes, and brown pants, Ben has accepted the challenge. The everyday sniper presents Gut Bomb. Gut Bomb. That was his call sign, <laughs> Gut Bomb. <clears throat> so the the name of this story I like to name my stories I have like a book that I'm working on mm -hmm. Mike's adventures around the world with people <laughs> who shouldn't be allowed around industrial glue <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, let's see here this one is called this debrief stinks <laughs> so um, man where do I even start this one so we, we had a long 12 hour day of training we were doing urban operations so we're Teaching the troops how to you know, identify IEDs, mm -hmm. and then we'd run them through the IED lane, uh, do a walking lane, and then we'd do a vehicle run, and then we'd be out there with the little clackers and everything, and, and, and blow, blow them stuff up. up. Yeah, blow them up with a tide system, and it's all like talcum powder and and uh, paintballs and mm -hmm. stuff, you know, like claymore mines going off, yeah, 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 freaking people out. So I mean, it's pretty realistic training. Well, because big clouds of dust and bangs and right, yeah, it freaks them out. Yeah, yeah, right. So especially when you're taking troops that haven't really been in this kind of situation. So, anyways, we drive around on Rangers all the time mm -hmm. to try to get from you know from point one a hit to site point. to the next hit site to the next hit site. Well, it's at the end of the day. We're twelve to fourteen hours into it. We're smoked. We we've run you know one hundred and twenty studs through this freaking lane, and it's time to go home. So, um, I want you to know this about Ben. Ben can fart on command. Okay, he's got talent. He's got talent, right? Uh huh. So he's got buns of steel. <laughs> so we're on our way back to the apartment Casey and I were living in at the time. And I got a text. Hey, you need to come back to the office. So I was like, oh, man, what's this all about? So we get back to the office and everybody's sitting in there already. And everybody's kind of got their heads down a little bit like someone got their peepee -pee smacked. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hi, what's going on? <laughs> what I miss? So... One of the guys lost the keys to the ranger, but there have been like episodes of somebody messing something up and it's just kind of like, it's, we've it, had three it, classes back to back. It's compounding. Right. So now we've had six weeks of straight work, 12 hours a day for six weeks straight training these troops because we had back to back classes mm -hmm. the whole way through. So it's just like a folly of errors the entire time. Like we're getting to the last class and, you know, everybody's just kind of mentally dropped their packs and they're just ready to they're get done. these studs done and get them out. So somebody lost the keys to the ranger. So everybody gets called back in. So the boss is in there and he's he's ripping everybody a new one. All this, you know, we're losing the keys to the ranger and F this and F that and you're effing up and blah, blah, blah. And he's going on a tangent and I'm looking at Casey like, dude, what did we walk into? So he goes, all right. And now I want to address the burping and the farting in front of students. And everybody turns and looks at <laughs> Ben. <laughs> and Ben just kind of looks around like, what? What's the problem? Mm -hmm. So... He's yelling so hard that his face is red and yep. he's blocking the door so nobody can get out. There's only one way into the cadre office. So he's going on a tangent about the farting and burping and everything. And he goes, now, and we're, you know, we're pretty loose crowd. So like when we're in the cadre office, well, the, level, the level of unprofessionalism, well, we had Rangers, we had you know, okay. Marines and everything, you know, the level of unprofessionalism unpro was skyrocketing. Okay. And he goes, now. Do any of you smart motherfuckers have anything to say about that? Ben rips one right in the middle of the room and starts laughing. He gets so pissed off, he kicks us all out, right? But it was just, it was, it was funny because it was just like, now, now what are you going to say? Right. He just did it. Yeah, he's all, <laughs> there you have it. So that's, that's my friend Ben. I have many more stories about him. Um, but that, we, that was, that was the Ben, that was the Ben, ben intro, fart, Ben intro can fart on command Can fart on command. And it's actually pretty impressive, man. He can do uh nice, he does reveille in the morning. Does he? Yeah. 
and it sounds like trumpets. Well, there you go. <laughs> he's got he, he he's got a special sphincter there. <laughs> <laughs> this is Mike from Mile High Shooting and Frank from Sniper's Hide. And we are back listening to the Everyday Sniper. Well, we're talking, you're listening. So here we are. We got back together. Our schedules have converged. I got Mr. Fuzz. He's Mr. Fuzz. for attention. Oh, Mr. Fuzz wants the attention bad. He's like, listen, guys, there's still pizza downstairs that I would love to eat. Pizza was good. We got a couple of Heinekens going. We're just kind of decompressing for the week. It's a Friday. It's a it's a Friday evening. And, uh, you know, we just got nothing better to do than talk to each other and catch up. And we got a lot of ground to cover. And first, I want to do some special shout outs. If you live in Connecticut... And you know a guy named Mike that listens to this show. So I lived in Connecticut. I know. And this is, it came it came full circle because it was like, Frank's from Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. And everybody's sending me texts. So if you know a guy named Mike that's listening to the show and he's in Connecticut, send him a text right now that says, fundamentals, follow through. Follow through, Mike. You thought I forgot, Mike. Connecticut doesn't have any fundamentals. All of Frank's people in Connecticut. Um, the Scallywag crew down at friggin' West End Lumber, Bridgeport. We got some LE snipers uh, up in Canada that are listening. I thought you were going to say the Danbury guys. They listen. They do? Yeah, the Danbury. We get, you know, it's it's funny. We get this. I get it all the time. I get emails and everything. They're like, hey, uh, this, this, this. And they ask, you know, some valid questions. And mm-hmm. I try to give them the best answers I can. But all these guys are working on a budget. And they're doing the best that they can. And uh, specifically in Canada, I got this message. And... What they're doing is they're taking their like 1970s program and updating it. Uh, right. And a lot of these guys are listening to this podcast. I hear a lot of that. People and want. To I just update. want to say thank you guys for listening and and keep pressing. You guys are making good changes. Charlie up there. Uh, let's see here. Who our else local you shooters. Got? Yeah, yeah, I got oh, this whole paragraph. You right got here. a whole bunch. Yeah, man. I'll read it real quick though. I promise. Our, our local shooters, all the Austins in the Rocky Mountain area. There's too many to list. My cousin A. A. Ron, my brother Adam. Uh, let's see. Aaron that pops in and watches me break shit from time to time. I'm in the shop and breaking shit. George who calls me up and tells me stories about him breaking shit. Nice. Danny Boy from HRD. He gets all my love. Danny. Uh, my new recruits, Dan, Troy, and Braden from Mile High. Those guys have come a long way in the past few weeks. So you got a up. whole new crew. I haven't oh, I even met whole, them. No, I know, man. I, I know Troy. Dan's been, Dan's been talking about you. Man. I know, I know Troy and Braden, but I never met Dan. Dan is like... Three times your size. Is he? And he's a fit dude, man. He is a boss when it comes like Yeah, he's he like should, a CrossFit guy. Call him a CrossFit guy. Yeah. When you see him, just be like, dude, do you do CrossFit? Yeah, nice. <laughs> He'll tell you all about CrossFit. Really? No. Um, but yeah, keep the keep calling us up, man. Keep those guys busy for me. I appreciate you. Dan from Castle Rock, he's getting back into the fight with his shoulder. We're gonna see him in a class soon. Chaz and Don, my heart goes out to you guys. Their basement got flooded. Oh, uh, Warhorse? Yeah. Oh, They're... dude, you guys okay? I hope so. So hopefully. How does it's their all... base? Aren't they in like Montana? There's yeah, no water up there. Dude, I guess that uh, all the hail that we got, they got a bunch of rain. Oh. So it just jacked their stuff up. So I gotcha. hope you guys are doing okay, and I hope you guys got I, that. I all got my. Out. You said Mike checked out the bag from Chaz, the low light eight yeah. five, the the sniper bag, the sniper gray, sniper gray with the sniper logo with the, the low light, and the sniper black, sniper black. It's, it's like black, but it's slightly darker. Yes, it's, it's slightly it's, darker it's, black. It's an evil shade of black. Right. It's like it's like the color of your soul. Mm-hmm. Black. Black is my heart. Michael from Really Right Stuff, thanks for hanging out with me on the phone the other day, giving me a tutorial on all the new products. Those guys are moving uh, location. We got a load, pretty much, we, we probably have more stuff than they have in the sword department. Yeah, yeah. So we got a lot of that stuff coming in. So if you guys are looking for something Really Right Stuff, chances are we have it and we got it from them so that they can make a, a smooth transition and get moved over. And uh, those guys really know their stuff. They have a lot of stuff that's coming out and uh, just a lot of information. And now I understand all their product codes because he spent like 45 minutes on the phone with me between the, the, the series one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. and all the you know all the different stuff that's going on. So I thank him for, uh, and Helping he's listening. Out. Yeah, Mike I, listens. I, I talked to him on the on the phone one day, and he was like, hey, you know you know what I was doing about two hours ago? I was like, I don't know, shooting off one of those badass tripods. And he's like, <laughs> no, I was listening to you and Frank. Oh, Yo, there you go. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't we know used the like hell that. out of them, man. Everybody, I, I, I told you I had, I had Jeremy up in Alaska. He came into the Sheep Creek Lodge on my last night. And we were having beers and drinking, even though we weren't really drinking beers. We were drinking something else, probably uh, bourbon or whatever. And I'm like, Jeremy's like, I need to really write stuff. I'm like, get your phone out. You're buying it right now. And he, <laughs> he bought it. So he ended up buying an Anvil 30, 
uh, so from you guys. Some of us drunk text, another one spent fifteen, seventeen hundred dollars. Yes, he spent fifteen hundred dollars uh, drunk. So it was like, dude, you're getting it. Just buy it. So I got too many people to list. There's going to be more in the future, obviously. If I if I miss you, don't fret, dude. Um, I appreciate all the love and everything. In the last month, I've been kind of out of pocket. You know, when I'm not shooting, I'm training new guys. When I'm not training new guys, I'm at home with the family trying to we're tr- we're trying to make a move right now to to make life a little bit easier and quality of life for everybody in the house. You know, as far as like commute distance and everything. So I just wanted to let you guys know. Um, the hell that with I'm them. You of only you. you're only eight minutes from work. I'd say the hell with them. I know, dude. That's I was kind of. I'd, I'd be like, oh, you got to drive in the morning. Sorry, I know, man. This is you know. That's I remember, life. I remember applying for a job that's like eight minutes eight minutes from the house. Mm-hmm. But I can't say shit like that. Dude. You can't, but I can't. <laughs> so thanks everyone Heidi for stopping. Heidi I'm a little store. off. <laughs> she does. She actually called you Uncle Frank tonight because Rio was like, "Daddy, where are you going?" I was like, "I'm gonna go see Frank." And she goes, "The guy you talked to?" And yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, the guy I talked to. I yeah, talked yeah. to him all the time." And Heidi's like, "Yeah." Daddy's going to go see Uncle Frank. And I looked at her like, like really? Really? Is that something that that's we say? That's a strange now? Uncle Frank. That's like friggin' uh, in Not common. that I'm opposed to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But like... she, opened up, she opened it up herself. So I was there like, you go. So now you're Uncle Frank. So anyways. That's like the uncle from Tommy. <laughs> the who. Look so, it up if you don't know. So thanks everyone for <laughs> stopping. Moon. Thanks everyone for stopping in the store. Uh, just driving through. We've had a lot of people driving through for the summer that have been stopping in and saying hi, and I appreciate that. That's that's totally awesome that uh, you guys put us on your roadmap and and uh, just jump off the highway real quick and see us. And uh, of course, all the emails and and stuff. And I, I I really hope that this show is helping you out on your journey through the long range precision stuff. And it is a uh, journey. All you guys get my love. So. I talk about that in my class. We did all those classes up in Alaska, and I tell everybody to help guide the student on their journey with a precision rifle because it never ends, man. It's like it's it's a Hobbit trilogy. It really is. It really it just keeps walking and walking and walking, and then even when you get to the mountain, it doesn't end. You got to turn around and walk back, and then you find out it changed, and you got to go back to the mountain. Right. So we're gonna bring you some good stuff. We've been analyzing a lot of stuff. So um, in the last few weeks that I've had off. Uh, off from this <laughs> from this anyways mm-hmm. like i said we do a lot of this on our off time and uh, i'm still trying to get my studio together with uh with doing a move to a different place and everything i got some prerequisites that that need to happen so i can get my own little headquarters going i'm gonna call it camp freedom west nice <laughs> maybe freedom east we'll go east because it's east of denver yeah it'll it's be like what side of, you have to figure out what side of uh 25 you're on whether it's west or east. So instead, you know, use you got 25. Yeah, use 25. So I'm going to go freedom east. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I can't freedom So you'll east. be on the east side. So uh, I've had a lot of time and, and I've been asking a lot of people in, in my journey in the last four to five years in this long range sport. I do this kind of on a daily basis at this point and I get a lot of questions because everybody expects me to, to know the answer of stuff. So it makes me do right. a lot of research and... The biggest thing that I always come across, no matter what it is, when we're out shooting, we're in the shop, The I feel like the best kept secret is how to call wind and how to judge it and how to go off of that number. Now, you brought it up the other night when mm-hmm. you were talking about the, the G1s and the G7. The G1 versus G7 use that first number, right. So why are we going to G7? You gave a good example of the G1 use that first number. So if you guys look at your box of bullets, it says G1... 0.534.5, whatever. That first number is going to be your mile per hour. Well, I, I have a box right here, Prime, and it has those numbers on it. So here's the 6.5 Creedmoor Prime, and I'll have to get my thing because I can't read it, but I think it's 583. But then the G7 it, it is like 289. Let's see. So yeah, so we got... um. So the G1 is 583... And the G7 is 289. So, you know, you have both on the box. It helps. So why did, why did everybody go to a G7? Now, we're going to get into some lost well, art stuff. Well, it's all lits. Okay. And, and, and it's because when he did his software, he felt that because he works for Berger, the VLD bullet design lended itself to G7 better by the true official definition. However, prior to Brian, as we've talked about numerous times, there's software out there that predated him that was not G dependent. You didn't need to use G7 to they they, they pre-understood that the models originally written 
are not right. They were meant for artillery and they're modeled off of artillery and then we just scaled them down for bullets. Well, forever we used G1 because it had more information available than just the G7. And even when Brian, like like Gerald Perry, and I talked about this before, Gerald Perry was the first guy who, who did a civilian ballistic program called X-Ball, Exterior Ballistics. And he said G1 only. And when Brian came up and said you had to use G7, Gerald's answer was, screw that, no you don't. He got that. But what happened is Gerald was old, overweight, diabetic, and died pretty quick. And so there was nobody to counter the argument of why G7 versus G1. Now, there is some software today that's not G-dependent that you can get, and there's software that's not using any G-value like Hornaday, right? the axial form factor. We're going to talk about that too. Yeah, we're going to bring that up. But why did we go? Well, because that marketing machine is bigger, faster, and stronger because everybody who had a dissenting view is now dead. I got the book right here for, you know... New exact small arm ballistics, a source for riflemen, he's dead. Right. So, you know what I mean? There's nobody to talk. And this was printed, um, 2008 is the copyright on this, but he's dead. So, you're not going to do anything in, in, even though he actually has a lot of really negative stuff to say about what people are doing you know, in terms of G7, G1, and all that, he actually had some pretty bad things. But he's written Modern uh, Practical Ballistics, Pestia's Handbook of New Precision Ballistics, Tables for Long Range Prediction, Master Bridge, How We Bid and Play. He's a bridge player. The Great Oil <laughs> Scam, Big Oil, Little Oil, and A Boy from Custer, a Memoir. It so sounds that, like some shit that you would write. Yeah. Like, it, if you're into paranormal and paranoia, mm-hmm. you're in the right place. Yeah, exactly. And so then he has computer programs on CD. He has Pester Ballistics for PC, Pester Ballistics for Windows-based PDA, Pester Ballistics for Palm OS. That's how old this is, a Palm, a palm Pad. And then he has Pester Ballistics uh, for a Mac through System 9. Okay. <laughs> That's how so, old it is. So what does this mean to you? If you're just getting into the sport in the last five years, you probably never heard of any of this stuff. Right. You never heard of this guy. So... What does this mean to you? And now you have to ask this question to yourself. When you go out to the range and you lay down behind your gun, how do you find your wind? We're going to take a shot at 500 yards. Mm -hmm. How do you find your wind? Everybody is going to default to their ballistic app. They're going to go into their phone. They're going to go into Mo- their Most guys are just edge of plate. Like you've right. been asking people. Right. And I've I can tell you people. from my view when everybody, if I go to a match, if I go to a thing and I talk to somebody in my squad, hey, man, what are you going to do on this stage? They all say, I'm going to start off edge of plate and adjust from there. Right. Because they have a wind cheater. Right. Now, so, let's say you don't have a wind cheater. And I feel like this is why a lot of people don't want to do 308s mm-hmm. and they don't want to do 223s is because that wind is going to affect them more, and you can't hold the edge of plate right. in most situations. Now you need a real number. Now you need something. Right. Right? So where do we find that number? This is where we go into that G1, and we say that first number is 5 miles per hour. Well, what that means, that's 5 miles per hour at 500 yards is 5 tenths. 5 tenths, 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5. Now you can go, and you can, you can Google this, and I did this before talking to you guys to make sure that my... Shit was backed up, mm-hmm. and it's a guy that is not even affiliated with us. If you go to Wind Formula and then find a video, it's like 18 minutes long, and then he's going to go through the formula. That's uh, Klecker, right? Yeah, Klecker. Klecker? Klecker. He's yeah. got an N. Um, he's going to walk you through the, the wind the formula. The old Marine Corps formula. So right. the old Marine Corps formula is distance times... Uh, yeah. Yes, the, another the number range, divided by 10, constant, 11, 12. And you need the constant. The constant that he uses is just for a 168. You actually have to run the math backwards to get the number. And in order to do that, you need to already know your hold. I can. It's probably in that... Grab that data book right down there. And I'll... Well, you, you talk and I'll get you the, the formula. All right, so... Basically, the the question was, okay, how do we find our wind at 500 when it's 5 miles per hour? And he goes through this whole math equation. Here it is. Range, 
in 100 yards times wind speed in miles per hour divided by the wind constant equals MOA of full wind value. And the constants that they use are 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. Okay. The problem is, is those constants are for a specific bullet, the 168 going 2550. You, you change these constants for other stuff. So it, this is, this is, again, I, br I brought it. If you're breaking out a calculator to do this formula, you've already lost. Right. And you're I done. can hear, I can hear you chirping in, the, in my ear. When I'm at the range, you break out a calculator, you're done. Mm -hmm. You break out a calculator, you're done. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? Well, the answer is 500 yards at five miles per hour is five tenths. Yeah. That's the answer. Now, you can do that whole math equation and then take the MOA answer and convert it into mils. Mills by 3.43. Divide by 3.43. And you're going to get five tenths. Right. You can take the average of those constants, put them together, and the answer is going to be five tenths. Mm -hmm. So why are we not just doing this? A hundred yards is one tenth. Two hundred is two tenths. Which is the BC method. Three hundred is three tenths. Four hundred is four tenths. Now I'm going to give you an example. So, and this is what you have to find with your specific caliber. I'm going to give you an example of a 224. I'm fresh off of a 224 at the last match. And, uh, and you won that part of I, it. I won the 22 challenge, so the 224 Valkyrie. Um, I beat out all the all the 22 caliber shooters, mm -hmm. and it was a 224 JP factory 90 grains gas gun, not my gun. Right. Tremor three four to sixteen uh, night force attacker. Basically and, the same. If you saw the pictures of me with mine, it's the same setup. Yeah, it's, it's basically I just the don't same have setup. a tremor in mine. Right. I have a, a, a Millar or something. So, and you can ask anybody there all day long. I was dialing. I was not using holdover unless it was a holdover stage where I couldn't dial. Right. So, all day I was dialing because I wanted to test this method. And it worked. So, now I'm giving it to you so that you can have something to play with in a baseline for when, for when somebody asks you, how do you call wind? And you go, okay, well, I hold edge of plate, and then I measure, and then I make my uh, my guesses based off of the next thing, and then the next thing, and then I add a couple tenths for, you know, the next 100 yards, and then I add a couple tenths for the next 100 yards. Well, what if there's not a next 100 yards? What if you only get one shot? Right, like a competition dynamics. I brought that up with Mike. Out here, competition dynamics matches are usually one shot, make it or break it. Raton, they shut it down, apparently. I just read that on Facebook. Raton got shut down the sporting rifle yeah, match. Yeah, because they wanted some hunting area, private hunting or well, something. A bunch like of that. bullshit. Yeah. They, they've always been fucking people at Raton. But anyway, it's one shot, make it or break it. It's 60 shots, one shot per target. So you need that first round hit. And, be, and the target ranges vary so much, you can't kind of do the, well, this was edge of plate, this one's not, and, and, and it doesn't grow. It's not always first shot is 300, next shot's 400, next shot's 500. It might be 5, 7, 4, 6, 3, and they're out of order. Right. So now you got to kind of know what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, now you got to drop some, add some, drop some. Right. And you may lose your spot in that whole thing. So Adam and I from Mile High, Adam from Mile High and I have been talking about this and working through this because wind is the great equalizer. We say it all the time. Yep. Right? Wind's everything. Man, I put WTF. Wind is first. Right. So how do we make this judgment call? Now, you have to mess with what I'm going to call wind brackets. So your first wind bracket is going to line you up to that 100 yard equals one tenth, 200 equals two tenths, 300 equals three tenths, so on and so forth. Once you start getting into the, the seven, eight, nine, that's where it's going to vary. So you got to know what that first number is, and then you can start calling wind in multiples of five. So we're going to use five miles per hour. Uh, for this instance, and this is going to be the 224 Valkyrie with 90 grain federal, with 90 grain federal, which is a Sierra. Bullet. And this information we plugged into Ballistic Arc so that we could get uh, basically a printout or something that was uh, a chart, yeah, right. a chart that we can email. So Adam did it on his Geo Ballistics because his is all set up. So I said, Hey, give me this, give me this, give me this. And then I'm trying to find these numbers. And I totally thought I was on to something revolutionary because nobody's ever explained this to me. All right. I'm just looking. It's for, in my class. I'm looking the, for the, a constant. The, the, the BC method is in my class and the chart is there where you can see it. And so, the problem with that is going to a class and we get it. We've been in classes. We teach classes. 
you you get to a certain point where you've been powerpointed to death or you're you're nervous about going out and shooting and you have to perform in front of somebody now you have all this stuff going on now we're just going to throw more numbers at you right which is why i've reduced this year i've reduced my classes by two hours but the powerpoint part of it because i it's becoming overload so so go ahead with your numbers now so we're looking at five mile per hour wind 90 green and this is at 90 degrees so your wind is coming at you from right to left and we have one equals one, two equals two, so on and so forth. Seven equals seven, eight equals eight, nine equals one. So nine at nine hundred is where your where your offset at, is. At your nine hundred, that is your plus one. So at a thousand, it's still a plus one. At eleven hundred, it's a plus two. So if we can memorize this first column, and we know we get out to 1,100 and we have to add two, mm -hmm. and now our next wind bracket is 10 miles per hour, I'm going to be at 1.6. I mean, honestly, all you really need to memorize is that one column. Exactly. That's After what I'm that, saying. it all becomes easy. You yeah, just need to you know just, your one column. And then find your wind bracket. So we're saying five miles per hour. You're in a five mile per hour wind bracket. So that means 10 and 15 is times two times three. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna test this. We're gonna look at it. So we're gonna say seven equals. And you seven. have you have shot an actual on there, don't you? Predicted an actual. Uh, or no, did you? No, it's just. Oh, you don't have what it, you used. You yeah. just have it off the computer. Yeah, just off the computer. Okay. I'm just running basic numbers. So what we're trying to do is get within one to two tenths of what our actual wind is, but we're also trying to call wind within a mile, mile per, per hour. hour. So that's the goal. Can anybody really do that from the shooter to the target? No. It's probably not going to happen. At you, you can with a meter. But that's why we have, you know, big Bra targets. Right, And we have a target. bracket mm -hmm. on, our, on our reticle to make that measurement. Now, we're looking at 700, 700 yards. Our come up is 4.9. And the wind call is 7 tenths. So I'm going to close this and go into 10 miles per hour. And we'll see how close we are. So it's 700, come up is still the same, 10 miles per hour is 1.3. So we took that seven times it by two, it should have been 1.4, mm -hmm. but that's within a 10th. We're in a 10th and the plates are always much wider than that. Okay. Right. So now you're calling your win within a 10th on a plate that's probably a half mil wide. Right. So, so two M away. So you're gonna favor one side anyways. Right. So you're never gonna hold it dead center. You're gonna say, okay, well I need this whole plate to play with. So I'm gonna take my 1.3 and shift it to the right a little bit mm -hmm. and then psh, it should be right it up should be there. right money right so now we'll go into 15 miles per hour because we're still in the five mile an hour wind bracket and this is going to change per gun per caliber you need to find this number find your g1 you bc first for number your first number that's your miles per hour then you need to go down and look at what your drop-off looks like because like with 308, it drops off around 700 and it starts to change at 700 yards. With the Valkyrie, it's doing that at 9. With your 6.5, it's going to be close to that 9-1000 where it starts to change a little bit. So you have to look at and record your actuals. If you go out and do this, if anything, I mean, we, we, we push elevation, we push elevation, but if you write down, if you don't write down anything else but your range and the wind you used, your range and the wind you used, well, then you can go back and look at this stuff. Hey, I shot this target at 450 yards. It was this much wind. I used this. WTF, wind. Put your focus on the wind. We already know your elevation's right. Your software's good. If you're struggling with elevation, you're not doing your homework correctly. Now we need to focus on the wind. So, so based off of our, our last answer, so we had 700 at 5 miles per hour was 7. 700 at 10 miles per hour was what? 1.3. So that was a minus mm -hmm. 1, right? So I want you guys to take a second and predict what this is going to be. So now we're at 15 miles per hour. 700 should equal what? So we had a minus 1 on the last one, right? So yep. it was dropping off. So 7 times 3. So we got 21. Yep. And then we know from the last one it was minus one. So we should be somewhere around two. Well, this puts me at 1.9. So if I were still doing just the seven times three, I'm within two tenths yeah. 
of where I'm supposed to be in a 15 mile an hour wind. Right, which, which is, is difficult to shoot in. As it is. It's very difficult to shoot in if you haven't shot in that type of uh, in top type of mile per hour. And I know people are shooting in 20, 30, 40, whatever. But 15 is huge to somebody who just has no wind all, all the time. Right. So now that put me within two tenths of my target. I have a higher success rate of a first round impact and then following up with a second if I need to. Yeah, and you can fine tune it because if you catch that plate in any way, well then you can make the adjustment. So if you catch the plate with that being a tenth off or two tenths off because you got a half mil wide plate, well then you now can fudge yourself into the center, believe the bullet, see what it does, and now you can bring yourself closer to the center, fine tune that wind hold, and then write that down as soon as you come off the stage or the target. Right. And now, you, now you'll have numbers you can work with. So now we've made it to 20 miles per hour. Our five mile an hour wind bracket is going to be times four at this point because it's an easy number to remember. And now, of course, the wind might be going 21 miles per hour. Right. It might be going 18 miles per hour. Well, it's going to vary. It's going to vary it's not and gonna it's going to gust straight. up. So what we need to do is understand how to bracket that shot. But we need a base wind call to start. So now we're at 700 yards. And do the math, guys. And what we understand from the last two brackets. So we need to go seven times four. And then we were kind of dropping off. The, mm -hmm. first, the first set was minus one. The second set was minus two. So if you came up with 2.6, that is your base wind call. Okay. There you go. And you've tried this. You worked with like Noah. You said uh, young Noah there from Boulder was shooting a match with you guys. You right. got him out at 1250. Second shot. Second shot with that and, and, and stuff. But you gave him the wind calls. Right. Aaron mm -hmm. and I were actually working together. Mm -hmm. And we were calling the same wind. I was like, God damn, Aaron can call some wind. Um, hopefully he was like, God damn, Mike can call some wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we shot, our first target was at 600. And we shot a total of 10 shots. And the last target was at 1250. So they're spread out across the field. And we had more impacts than we had misses with both of me and Aaron calling wind within a tenth of where he was shooting. Gotcha. Yeah. Based off of this and going, okay, well, he's shooting a 6'5". I'm going to pretend that 600 at, is going to be – it feels like a four-mile-an-hour wind. So I'm going to give him six tenths, and I'm going to tell him to favor the right side. And what do you know? We got an impact. Boom. There you go. Right. So and then it just graduated from there. When we were at twelve hundred and fifty, it was a one point two, one point three call that Aaron and I both made, and it was spot on. There was no backdrop. He missed the first shot, and he was like, he kind of fidgeted around. I said, get comfortable. He got comfortable, dialed in where he needed to be. Aaron and I gave him a call of one point one, one point two, one point three. Favor that one point two to the right side. Pull the trigger and psh, impact. Yeah. And that fidgeting is huge, man. A lot of people do that. That's why somebody had asked about our episode, the one that I came back from Alaska, 66 and 67, about being higher up on the bipods and stuff. That's because you're comfortable. That's because you're up, you're 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 off your you're not laying on your chest and you're not down laying on the ground. You're not laying on top of the rifle. Somebody described it as melting into the ground. Yeah, why would you need to do that? Get up, get comfortable, otherwise you run into that case of fidgets, man. Your head's not right, your neck's not right, you're leaned over, you're rolled over. If you get up on your elbows, if your wrist is straight, if your bipod's just that little bit higher. And somebody came on sniper side and was asking about this, and I posted the picture of me shooting my Valkyrie in Alaska with the Atlas. Now, they've leveled the range out. They just did a lot of work, uh, work out there. So I don't have a big uphill, downhill. If you saw the pictures of Alaska, it's a pretty straight NRA-type range okay? that they're, they're building. Well, my bipod is like three notches up on an Atlas. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm up higher as small as I am. And you use a taller one, too. I do use uh, – sometimes the, I use the, the uh, – on my, on my uh, AX. AX is the mm – -hmm. uh, I the, noticed that. I was like, dude, you got the tallest bipod on this Yeah, thing. yeah. So and that way like, I'm up a little it bit. It makes sense because a lot of times, like you guys were talking about getting up on your elbows and everything. And I, I do that a lot. And I always thought that yeah, I – Yeah, but you're more – I sat high. Yeah. 
the, the, with the comp guys is they're moving in position quick and they're moving out. So they just flop and lay down on their rifle. They don't have time to adjust it correctly. Yeah, I'm they, always two notches out of my Harris. Yeah, and well, in the spring, this guy was saying, I'm at the lowest setting of my Harris. You're Number gonna, one, you have the spring. And, you're, yeah. <laughs> and it's bouncing and you don't even realize it. There's right. a spring in there, come a notch out at least. But number two, you're just laying on top of your rifle and you're not in it for any amount of time. You're in, you're getting the shot off. You're basically trying to lay on the rifle and hold it still, get in position, get out of position and go. Where we're building positions. We're learning what works for us and when we can stay in there longer. We have we have zero bitches about guys. I can't my neck, uh, this, that, the other thing. Big guy, little guy, you know, fit guy, unfit guy. We can adjust them for each person and, and it really helps. I had one guy, his bipod just didn't go high enough. He was red-faced. He was really uncomfortable. Finally, somebody, like, after he struggled all day, somebody volunteered a bigger bipod. He was immediately happier, hitting better, not red in the face anymore because we're, we're spending time there and we're not doing a 90-second stage with two prone shots where you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. You know, and that's the difference is you can get away with a lot when you're going that fast and you're moving. I had a, a, a PRS guy's gun there um, and I put it on the really right stuff tripod. I did the exact same pull the trigger with uh -huh. it. Yeah. You know, that I did in our class. That I did it, it at a thousand, a thousand yards yeah. and it hit. You yeah. know, it's like. Well, you've taken the X factor out. Right. You've taken the fidgeting out. You take, like you put it on a really good tripod with a really good gun, a really good optic, and you and set it up. A hand go, load, everything yeah, was perfect. Everything is perfect, and all you have to do is just touch off on that trigger and not influence anything else on the gun. And it hit. You're going to hit. Right. So that's the difference, is what? where do we fit into that equation? And if you're depending on the rifle to do all the work for you, which is why they free recoil, which is why they have the bags and the locks and the different wedges and vices well then that's a different story but you still got to do this wind we need to get back to the mindset of training marksman instinct and muscle memory yeah is what we need to get back to that nothing is ever going to trump your instinct on what you think is going to happen you can predict something yeah right? those guys can move forward it's a lot harder for the other guys to move back which is why they don't want to shoot a 308 Right. Nobody wants to shoot a 308 because they're afraid of because it. They're afraid it, right. of off the plate. Right. And because of the marksmanship that's required. I, I remember Scott Parks from Vortex said to me when they asked him to do the production class and he shot, shot a 308 again for that one year of PRS when they were first rolling it out. He said to me, he goes, man, I didn't realize how bad my fundamentals had gotten shooting the dashers and the six millimeters and all that stuff. He goes, when I had to go back to the, the, the 308 for that production class kicked my ass that i had to really pay attention to me let me plug something real quick i know rob quigley is listening to this and he's got a match coming up in the mm -hmm. middle of uh this month or no the middle Next of july july and um i just want to say if you're not signed up for the mile high shootout and they have any extra spots that is a fun match dude i shot it last year and um they have the first day of spin-up training myself and adam from mile high shooting are both going to be there and we're going to do that spin-up training so if you guys want to get signed up for that get with rob quigley um go on to uh mile high shootout i think they're on a uh, nrl yeah they're nrl they yeah. are nrl so it would be practice score or something yeah, i don't get know get up in there and if uh if you guys need to get a hold of rob just email me mike at milehighshooting.com but uh, we're going to be up there. The match is going to be awesome. It's always awesome. Rob is a great dude. Um, I'm glad that he made it through last year for sure. It was hot as hell. Oh, he, he passed out, out right, yeah. didn't he? Like, zap yeah, out. That's all right. Yeah, dude, I'll he, be in Alaska again. Got, so Got him hooked up, you know, got mm -hmm. some fluids in him. And he he bounced right up like a like Gumby and was ready to rock and nice. roll. So uh, he's a, he's one tough cat. So let's, let's do a quick exercise. So based off of what we were talking about, I want you guys to find the answer for me. I'm going to give you the first win bracket. So this is going to be... An AX, uh, let's see, a 6BRA. I guess you, you can probably guess whose gun this yeah, is. It's Adam. Right? There you go. So it's 6BRA. It should just stand for a bench rest Adam. So we're at 5 mile per hour wind bracket. I'm going to give you 500 yards. So 90 mile, or 90 degree wind at 90 five, miles. At 90 miles an hour. 90 miles an hour. So 5 miles an hour at 90 degrees. At 500 yards, it is 0.4. So we could we can mess with that a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's 0.4. So that means we can change the mile per hour to make it line up with five. But I'm going to give you this one just to see if you can get through this 
and understand the math and how fast it can be. So 500 yards. 0.4. Your wind call is 0.4. So that means to me, I say in my head, minus one. So that means five minus one equals four. So let's go to 10 miles per hour. So five minus one. We're at five. So five minus one equals four times two. Is eight. Equals eight. So your wind call at 10 miles per hour is 0.8 according to this. Mm-hmm. So now this one's for you guys. I want you guys to do the math on this one. We're going to 15 miles per hour. 15 miles per hour at 500 yards using that math. 500 yards minus 1 times 3. And I got 1.1. Where should it be? Four, eight, twelve, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we're, just off, just off. we're within a tenth again of in where a 15 we need to mile be. An hour wind. In a fifteen mile per hour right. wind. So if you don't think it works, fine. Get your baseline. Get your baseline. Go right. out and try it. I know that you can't predict what the what's going to happen that day, where you go out to the range and you're like, okay, today we're going to have an eighteen mile per hour wind. Right. You probably can't predict that. But you can get your baseline, figure out what your first value is that gives you one, two, three, four, five, and so on, and get that number and just know that number, and then extrapolate from there, and it should give you those first round hits you're looking for. So this is going to go back onto you, whatever you're shooting. You're shooting your BRX, you're shooting your, your 6.5 Creed, Creed, your, your PRC, your 223, I got to get that PRC done for those guys. All that stuff. It's up to you to find your wind bracket that's going to line you up. 400 yards equals 4 tenths. 700 yards equals 7 tenths. What mile per hour is your gun running to get there? Right. And then take that wind bracket and say, let's say it's 4 miles per hour. Well, does it do that at 8? Is it a times 2 at 8? Is it a times 3 at 12? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the number that you can start with, and that's a baseline. No one ever explained this to me. I've been working it out. I've been racking my brain around this. And people who are listening to this know I've been asking them, hey, what are you using for wind? Edge of plate. Well, I'm just shooting my first round. I'm taking a wild-ass guess and just shooting my first round to see if it's going to impact. And then I'm taking that measurement, superimposing it on the target, pulling the trigger. Well, what are you doing for your next target? Right, right. You I just, mean, you got to remember, a lot of those guys in the games and stuff are shooting down in the East Coast, and they're shooting in places with lanes. Their wind rarely goes past that three to five miles an hour rarely which is why their edge of plate if that i know like i i'd mentioned the story the first time i shot the six creedmoor uh when george was doing it before it was even a factory offering i had the copper creek loads and the whole thing i came back from an 18 month hiatus i never held off the plate and came in 11th out of 92 people after an 18 month hiatus light gun it was 10-7 with a schmittenbender on it Gain twist with the six creed more, you know, 3170 with a 105. I never held off the plate. So, what wind are those guys really doing? They're not. Now, they come out here and they get an education and they are starting to branch out with like the ELR match they just did and this stuff. But a lot of them get their butt handed to them in that because they're not used to it and they and they think they have to go super big. But do they still have an answer? to that first round hit what we're trying to breed are marksmen marksmen man we're not trying to breed gamers we're not trying to be breed competition shooters a lot of the people that listen to this probably don't even shoot competition that's great it's a good it, it's good for you it's competition a good, validates training it does and it builds confidence right but you have to have the training you have to have the training and you have to go back to the fundamentals and you have to slow down slow down it's like when when i teach a pistol class and someone's trying to reholster real fast i tell them dude you don't get extra points for right. reholstering putting like, it away quick right like you get extra points for hitting your targets totally so, that's a whole thing you know it, it it's it, it's you know what is it uh accurate uh, speed is fine accuracy is final yeah something like, something that. like that i think that's the the, the phrase 
and and you know but that's the whole thing is what we're trying to do is give you those skills so when you're out there with on yourself and you can start practicing you have a baseline and in going beyond the old mantra is want to learn to shoot in the wind get a case of ammo and go shoot okay well what's your plan what's your method what are you doing what are you taking away from those two to 500 rounds you just shot in the wind, what are you bringing home? Well, we're giving you something to bring home. We're giving you something to bring to the range. Right, both ways, both directions. How to do it one way and how to bring it back the other way to find out what your what your base value is for your system. Because it's you. There's a lot of you in there. There's, there, there's, there's trigger control issues that throw a left and right component into it. There, you know, there, there's the there's the wind variation issues. There's the width of the plate. There's the caliber you're shooting. All these things add up. So you need to have a plan. You need to know what your method is. You need, and then you could go back and believe the bullet. You know what I mean? But the bullet's telling you one thing. It's like that formula, the constant. I'm telling you right now, the constant is not right unless you're shooting a 308 with a 168. You then need to know what your hold was to hit the target in order to figure out what the actual constant is. So it's kind of like this this cycle and circle that never ends of playing games where we can say, here's your baseline, use your multiple of the wind call of the wind off your baseline, get your hit, see what it is to finesse it and fine tune it, and then realize, is my gunner plus or minus? Right. Yeah, my plus or minus one. Right. And it'll be one. Right. It, it's going to be something. It's going to be something close to that baseline. And again, us doing the math, just doing that simple math and getting within a tenth of there a wind call. There won't be math after that. No, though. it'll it's just not. be a call. Right. That's it. Okay. I know what it is now. Bam. Yeah, I mean, so, the, the math is because the wind varies and you're using your base, but it's really, you know. Five seven, times three, 1.5. Right. Pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. It, so. It's that fast. You're at 500 yards, mm-hmm. five miles per hour, five times three. Right. Or you're at 15 miles per hour. It's the third wind bracket. I pull the trigger at 1.5. Yep. End. So you got it. And that, and that'll that'll. But record your wind. True your Kestrel's wind up if you're using that. True your ballistic software's wind up because that's where the BC comes in of truing your BC. That is what's telling that software what your wind's going to do. If you true your BC to your system, that's going to make your ballistic program that much better in the wind. So. Now, if you want to do a practical application of this, go out and do it, test it. Let us know what you think of it. Throw comments. Comments. Uh, yeah. Come on in and talk yeah. about it. And, you know, it, you can validate this stuff. And we're thinking about putting together a spotter class as well just to get a shooter out there so you can see what it actually looks like. Make a wing call for somebody. You're not shooting that gun. You're you're trusting that somebody's going to listen to what you have to say for wind. See how close you get and then uh, go from there and annotate that stuff. Now that we have the system for the classes here in Colorado, you know, versus me traveling and the stuff that I'm doing, come October, we are going to map out 2019 for a series of mile-high sniper side classes, and I'll do monthly instead of doing the skips like I'm doing now. Um, So if you have an idea for a class or there's something that you want to be incorporated into a class different, let us know. We'll create that class. And we have from October, you know, from now until October, but then from October to next year for you to book that time because we're going to get it out to you as soon as possible. And we'll create a win class, a spotter dialogue class, something that'll help you become a better, well-rounded marksman rather than show you how to cheat a game, you know. And and by that, I don't mean you're, you're phys- you know, literally cheating, but how to... How to how to how to you know do a stage you know yeah cut how, corners right how to cut corners on Trim a stage to to you know that to me it's like how do I do a barricade better to hit an eight inch plate at four hundred yards well you know you can hit an eight inch plate at four hundred yards under any condition like I said I can put the tripod up I hit a twelve inch plate at five hundred yards not even touching the damn thing I hit a twelve inch plate at a thousand yards not even touching the damn thing you know so. We know your gun can do it. We know the equipment can do it. The thing is, what are the principles that you want to look at, like shoulders in front of the hips and a barricade? You know, supporting the rifle in, in in getting that in that, and where the influences go, rather than saying if you buy this four hundred dollar Ingenuity Gunworks wedge system, it'll lock into the thing. You just let the 
barricade, hold the rifle, line up the shot, press the trigger as light as physically possible without touching the rifle at all, and that'll get you your score. Okay, we got it. That'll work. But you had to spend $400 to buy that friggin' thing to clip in. We're doing it so you don't have to spend any money other than if you get, you got to get educated. But it's not like in order to do this better, you need to buy these three things. You need to train your brain. Yes. And you need ammo. Yeah. And but it's not just throwing ammo down range and learning no, your mistakes. it's understanding the elements and everything that's going into it. What makes this hit? What makes this miss? What can I do? Where are my brackets? Where? How wide is the target? What are my wind brackets? Where is my baseline wind call? What's my multiple of that? And so on. Dang, we're going to have to come up with names for this stuff. I like wind bracket. Yeah, wind bracket works. I want to thank Adam for going through all this stuff with me and just kind of helping me validate this. And uh, he spent a lot of time doing it just like I did. We were just kind of going back and forth in our limited amount of time that we actually interact with each other anymore. It's it's very hard to (laughs) even get get a hold of him. But uh, this stuff is, again, it's theory. Right, so you have to go out and prove this theory. Well, if ask you your friends it. too. Yeah. If you got buddies who are big shooters, ask them what their win method is. When you go up to a stage, if you know they're a big comp shooter, what's your method of doing the wind? Are they just edge of plate guys and seeing what happens? Do they have some kind of formula? Are they figuring something out, or are they just saying, "Well, the Kestrel told me this"? Yeah. What and do your numbers match? Right. What in and yeah, how close are they? And and so that becomes the thing. I mean, we got King of Two Mile coming up. In, in in a week or so, a uh, week from Monday, let's see what those guys are doing on the win. They gotta get those first that first round hit, second and third, three three or it don't count for that world record stuff they're doing. It'll be interesting for me to go down there and to see what their win method is, and I'm gonna sample people on their win method at King of Two Mile. So let's see what goes on with that. Cool. Cool. All right, man. That was good. That was a good episode. Yeah, hopefully you guys are pulling something away from that again. If you need to ask any questions or any any clarification, um, just just hit me up, Mike at MileHighShooting.com. You can give me a call again. Try to give my guys a workout too. Get get Dan and Troy and Braden <laughs> doing some stuff too. If you guys need some spur mounts, they're all smart on that stuff. So they know uh, spurs now. Oh, dude, I got them trained up, man. <laughs> I got I'm I'm wrestling with them every morning, man. We're getting the, we're they, getting work done, and they're coming along real quick too. They asked. And Dan me. just picked up an AX, so he's going to be out shooting with Damn. us. And we're going to go out. It's going to be me, you, Dan. Troy, right? And this is the first time that we've had Adam. The, half, like half the shop is actually going to go out go and to shoot the range. guns, dude. Going to so go to the range. This is going to actually. I'm really excited about this, man. I, I'm going to get my, my new fishing chair that I got for Father's Day. You got fishing shirt, dude? No. My, well, I got my fishing shirt. Yeah. And I got my fishing chair. I don't fish. Oh, fishing I, chair. Yeah, my fishing chair with the, oh. with the cup holders. You know, the yeah, little yeah. I got one at the range, man. The camp ones. You know? Yeah. But I got that Huck fishing shirt. Adam turned me on to it, man. He had mm-hmm. the the uh, the blue. Uh, I saw a picture. I yeah, saw the dude, picture. I was like, man, that thing looks dope, but I can't get that one now because he's got it. And I don't get a red one. Yeah, well, I got I got the Cryptek Raid, so it's like a light gray. Okay, that's cool. But it's got green letters on the front. I wasn't too fond of it, it but Hulk I was like, yeah, I was like, eh, whatever. It should say Hulk. Hulk is kind of weird. I know. It'd be, I don't know. It could just say nothing and I'd be okay with that and if mm-hmm. it just had a tag. Yeah, yeah, that would be the best. <laughs> you know? So. Some scotch tape over it. Anyways, hey, it's good to get back on the mic with you guys. Um, good to see you, Frank. I haven't seen you in like a month and a half. And, yeah, it's been a while. Um, getting together and getting this done. So I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys sharing. Give us a call. Hit us up on email. Um, and also leave some comments. If this stuff is working for you, leave some comments. Shoot us some emails direct. If this actually explains something to you, give us some validation on what's going on. That way we can pass this information on. And you have it. You have it for free pass this information on right nothing cool guys thanks a lot for listening thanks for sharing thanks for following and stop over and comment everyday sniper boom